Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you, all of our patrons. But in particular this week, Aaron Everett, who is the latest to move to our very top tier. So thank you very much, man, for supporting us directly. You can join Aaron and our other patrons who get access to our full-length ad-free show and our sister show, Extra Message, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And greetings to one and all who are listening to us live in our Discord channel. We're going to roll two of our main stories into one this week because I think it's in, I think it's important that we address uh, the announcement that Apple and Google's joint effort to build COVID-19 contact tracing into Android and iOS. And it's of particular importance because of a story published today in the Sunday Times. The paper wrote that ministers have ordered the creation of an NHS mobile phone app and the government hopes it will help end the coronavirus lockdown. The app would allow mobile phones to trace users who have come into contact with infected people, alerting them to get tested, so on and so forth, and then make it possible to start lifting some of the uh, social distancing measures that we've got in place from next month. Now, the Times quoted senior sources that said that NHS X... I didn't actually know that was its name, but that's the health services um, technology arm. It said NHSX has been working with Google and Apple on the app at, quote, breakneck speed. Now, and I wanted to talk about this for several reasons, but I, I thought it was worth us pointing out that I've seen a fair bit of misreporting on this issue over the last couple of days, largely from some, I would say, more generalist outlets confusing the difference between APIs and interoperability with actual apps for end users like you and me. And part of it is because some of these announcements all sort of landed at once and, and it confused a few people, I, I believe. Which brings us briefly to the other side of this story, which is that um, Google and Apple said this week that they were going to work together to develop APIs within Android and iOS that would let software developers create contact tracing apps. And this is where I think some of this confusion has come from in the media, because some people are reporting that Apple and Google are jointly developing a contact tracing app, which isn't true. What's happening is that the, those two companies are, at least for now, setting aside some of their differences in order to create uh, let's say, interoperable tools that make it possible for developers to build apps where all the data is unified. And one of the first of such that we know of in the UK is what the NHS um, was reported in the Sunday Times today to be working on. And there are many ways that these apps can work, but one of the commonalities is the use of Bluetooth to alert people who have been in close proximity with someone who then tested positive for COVID-19. This strikes me as a project that may well not work at all. Well, yes, obviously. I mean, these things require a critical mass 
of people in order to work are you i think i've seen numbers around like 60 or 65 percent of everyone to be using it in order to work i think if the prime minister went on tv and said could you please download this app i think they would get the numbers um i think more concerning is i don't think that there's any way that everyone in the country isn't within a certain distance of a person with it you'd have to be very very close and i just don't know how good that technology is going to be measuring exact proximity and it requires other things for example you touch the same surface or you uh they sneezed and you breathed in at the right time and stuff like that i just i feel like this could generate some some scared people and scared people are bad in my opinion that is all true and i want to be very careful not to hypothesize too much about exactly how uh this particular app is going to work because we don't we don't know yet and we know that android and ios are having very deep interoperability features being worked on so that like a unique identifier for each person can be communicated securely and privately but in a way that helps people track their exposure is it going to be using blockchain because that feels like exactly the sort of thing that people said that they would be using blockchain for but no one ever has i haven't seen the term blockchain being bandied around with this thank god there are a lot of questions that we can ask i mean first i think we have to look at some of the evidence of whether anything like this even needs to exist and actually there is decent evidence from south korea um and china that actually if you have if you have technology and specifically smartphones at the core of your response to something like this good can come of it um south korea had a system i think where it texted people if someone if if someone they'd been near had been diagnosed positively with coronavirus and there were a lot of questions and concerns raised around whether that was the right approach some apps in china have used um technology that's been baked into things like wechat and the chinese version of tiktok which is different to the one we use but a chinese colleague of mine actually showed me this weeks and weeks ago long before our lockdown where it would you could check and see if like a train you were on or a plane you were on had subsequently been shown to have people on board who tested positive um and those countries and some of those regions are coming out of lockdown now. So I think there is enough evidence that this sort of technology can be a strong help in something like this. But we are living in a very different cultural environment than China when it comes to privacy. And you've raised some good points. And in order for something like this to work, you do need certainly a majority and ideally a large majority of everyone using it and that's i think why android and ios or rather apple and google are working together in order to make sure that as many people as possible have the potential to very easily download something that's safe and secure like they're building some of these tools in very very low in the operating system in the stack so this isn't just a case of throwing a few extra tips out to developers like this is a fundamental update to the operating system which presumably means that it could work for future pandemics if such a thing comes but then but the privacy questions are massive like how do you incentivize the public to download something like this and use it does it raise legitimate questions about privacy it really does 
It does, doesn't it? Because I don't think I'd want to download it because I'd sort of think, well, is privacy being weakened because we are more in need of a way to stop this pandemic. We haven't really explained how this would work. So it might be, do you want do you, do you want to explain it or shall I? There are lots of things that do proximity over Bluetooth LE, aren't there? For example, those you get those little tags, can't you? You can adjust, uh, attach to luggage that enable you to sort of track where something is at an airport. Um, so I, I'm assuming that this, I, I, I must admit, I'm not as well versed in this as you probably are. So it might be better if you explain it. But my understanding would be that the when the phones were close enough together to pick up another Bluetooth tag on a phone, that they would be able to communicate that data if both parties had consented, I assume. Um, and then that would be used to do the pairings. Yeah, that's about right. But I think that I think the difference is that you, you don't have to pair with something like this. It's more that that you, you have an identifier. And as long as you're close enough to the identifier, then it can acknowledge that you've been near it. You don't actually have to pair or share any data or, or even make a connection. And I and I think that that's one of the reasons that Google and Apple are, are cooperating is because they need to ensure that theoretically, if you walk, if you and I'm saying you, your phone enters a train, your iPhone enters a train and there's a an Android opposite, as in a person with an Android phone, not a replicant of some form. <laughs> Although you never know. They won't have coronavirus though, will they? It basically means that they can detect each other, they can they can see who each other is, but there's no personal data being shared and there's no risk that um that there's that essentially that it's gonna think it's a person that it isn't. Like it's it's fairly anonymous or should be. And that's true. Um, and, and Nick in the chat uh, says, I'd rather be alive and sort out the privacy um, even if it after even if it is an issue. Um, I, I just I have to urge caution on these things, because as is always the case, when you open the door to something, it is very, very difficult to shut it again. And that that's a real issue, you know, like whilst it doesn't seem like it would be a problem. And whilst I would I would honestly trust Apple and Google to do a reasonably good job of this and to um, to keep the data and, you know, to, to make sure it's anonymous, I, I can still see uses for it that are troubling. You know, once we've said that yes to this, um, then what else will we track? Might the NHS will go, well, we've got, everyone's got the app now. Why don't we track sexually transmitted diseases or something like that? And then, you know, we're a hop, skip and a jump away from that data being hacked somehow. Because although the um, the interaction between the two phones may well be very secure or whatever, that you know, there's going to come a point at, in the future where that data then has to be communicated back to somebody. Uh, be that you, so, if I come into contact with somebody, they say we think you've been in contact with this, blah blah blah. At that point, it's off that secure thing, and I've been told, and then there is a record of that. And who knows? You know, one of the one of the things about you know things like health insurance and stuff like that. Were, you know, if you had HIV, you wouldn't be able to get health insurance. And 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 there was a whole argument. And in fact, it used to be the case that even if you'd had a test, you wouldn't be able to get health insurance, even if you were HIV negative or whatever. So um, you know, so there are always unforeseen consequences to these things that I would be kept cautious of. I'm sure it's probably nothing to worry about, but I've spent my life worrying about these things, and I don't see any reason to stop. Once I think what you what you very eloquently said there is that you can't. What am I trying to say here? You can't get the toothpaste of privacy back into the tube of government accountability. <laughs> yes, I should have just said that. I reckon Facebook might already be able to tell you something like this because it's quite well known that Facebook tracks location on devices. Um, and most people won't have the wherewithal or the desire to turn it off. 
They'll also have access to uh, the people saying, I've got coronavirus on Facebook. Uh, they could easily pair that set of data together with the location and work out where that person's been um, and who they might have interacted with. Um, like if you were in the same place for a prolonged period of time. Uh, I, I would inv- I would imagine that if Facebook would admit that it has that kind of information, they could probably do as good a job of this without actually asking anything. It's all possible, isn't it? That's the problem. I mean, and, and if and if Google and Apple build this and the government uses it through the NHS, then you're probably only one, you know, MI5 decision away from requisitioning that technology and using it for something else because there isn't a lot of accountability when it comes to, the, you know, the secret services. I mean, there is some kind of accountability, but it's not generally public facing. So uh, it's it is terrifying as an idea what could happen, whether it's worse than what they're already doing. I don't know because it's a secret. I want to try and avoid going down too many hypothetical rabbit holes because at the very, very base level here is you can you can create technology. And I think what Google and Apple are doing in terms of working together to create the fundamental building blocks of something like this, that is probably a good a good thing. The way that those tools are then used to build and roll out apps, that's where we need to apply um, even more scrutiny, I think, because that's the side of things that's going to land people in hot water if they start agreeing to stuff mindlessly in apps, whereas just having a piece of technology in your phone isn't inherently going to mean that any government is going to have access to your information. Also, one other thing that I had a a concern about was when I first read about this was the fact that it requires the person who has uh, coronavirus to put it into the app, doesn't it? Once they've had a diagnosis or they think they've had a diagnosis or they think they know what they've got, they then have to report that. And then that's when the, you know, all the rest of it happens. Um, There is no sort of way of stopping people from faking that because it's not going to be done by doctors. It's going to have to be done by people. Well, these are the questions that we hope will be answered and certainly we hope will be discussed in public fora such as this because um, because they're important questions. And, and I, you know, it could well be that what's going on here is a really good idea, implemented well, that we should all use and it will make everything uh, go the way we all would like it to go over the coming months. History has told us that often, particularly when something is rushed, one of the first things to get thrown out of the window are privacy concerns. And as yep. you rightly point out, Ian, they're very, very difficult to uh, to get back into control once you've opened those floodgates. So I hope that people will talk about it. I think it's great that this technology is possible to uh, to be helpful but let's keep our eye on it and uh, if you have any thoughts on what we've discussed do obviously let us know hello at uktechshow.com This week, The Times, goodness me, it's a Times-heavy week for us, uh, but they've done some good reporting. The the Times wrote that British members of Parliament have been offered an extra £10,000 each in expenses to support them while they work from home during the coronavirus pandemic. The extra budget can be used to buy equipment such as laptops and printers for MPs and their staff or to cover additional electricity, heating, phone bills so forth the times wrote the money comes on top 
of the existing office budget of about £26,000 a year per MP, the newspaper said. The BBC separately wrote that the MPs' extra funds will be available until March 2021 and come with a relaxation of the rules on evidence of purchases. In its guidance published last month, the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority said it was, quote, committed to supporting MPs and their staff to carry on with their work as far as possible during this uncertain and challenging time for the country. The BBC also wrote that in response to criticism of the decision, Common Speaker Sir Lindsay Hoyle, no relation to uh, to Andy the Hoyle there, said <laughs> the money would have to be accounted for in the usual way and that it was, quote, wrong to characterise this, this extra £10,000 as MPs giving themselves additional funds. Uh, Hoyle, I actually, it's probably worth reading this out. He, he also said, on the contrary, this money is being used to enable MPs staff to set up home working to support distressed constituents at a time of crisis. Many MPs have seen their case work soar as a direct result of coronavirus. So I wanted to do a little bit of breaking down here, Ian, much like an enzyme. Yes. Oh, very good. We're going to break it down um, because I thought... An extra 10,000, well, firstly, 10,000 pounds per MP per year to support working from home already to me seems like quite a lot of money. But that is on top of 26,000 pounds that they already get uh, entitled to for office supporting working. So it's 36 grand in total potentially per MP. Does that include staffing costs, the 26 grand? This is related, no, because staff will be paid. Uh, as much as about 40 grand i think for uh, for a very senior assistant to 48 an MP. it says in here 40 yeah and we'll come to some of those figures shortly but i i, I wanted to do a few things because I, I i on the one hand i think there is there are some criticisms i've seen in the press and certainly on social media um thrown towards mps that this is outrageous and ridiculous and how could it possibly cost that much and i want to give a fair shot at defending some of this but a significantly larger hand is going to tear them a new one so let's start with the top i wanted to go through and price up what it would cost to set up a home office and i'm assuming they already have a house although some people uh defending the mps say that um heating costs are going up now i look out my window and it's about 26 degrees it's quite warm but let's presume they have a house but they don't have any heating <laughs> And um, they don't have laptops and they can't get online. So they need everything fresh from scratch. I went to Curry's PC World and typed in laptop and picked the very, very top result, which was a decent little machine. It's an Acer Aspire. It's a 14-inch laptop, Intel Core i5 processor. It's got an SSD, 250 gig, uh, 256 gig of storage. Nice little machine, 500 quid. It's got a webcam in it as well, so I didn't price up a separate webcam, but um, £500 for for that. Uh, a printer, I appreciate. They need to print out letters and send letters. So uh, again, I found the top result on Curry's PC World. It's a nice little Epson. It's a wireless printer. It's got Wi-Fi. It supports Apple's AirPrint. It supports Google Cloud Print. It's got uh, ink included. That's 160 quid. And that's quite expensive for a printer, but it's a decent printer. And yeah. if I was expensing one, I'd probably go for something like that too. I, I'd, let, I'd let them have a laser, honestly, because that's more, more in keeping with what the office is going to need, isn't it? True. And lasers but I, are a bit more expensive. And 
yeah i suppose i suppose so but I'm, I'm trying to go with what we'd get off off the shelf um yeah. from curry's pc world uh, a phone again let's assume they don't have a phone um an unlocked galaxy s10 i thought was a decent uh, decent phone pretty modern runs everything you could want very nice looking phone will run any app that any government person would need to run that's 700 quid unlocked so i also looked up a sim vodafone unlimited data unlimited calls unlimited texts 13 quid a month sim only bear in mind for six months and then 26 pounds a month for the other six months this is all on a i've based all this stuff on a year's cost because these uh this money is per year so that that uh that contract comes to 234 quid for unlimited data and limited calls and limited texts on vodafone shove that in your galaxy s10 uh, broadband again assuming they don't have any internet at home uh, i went to money supermarket top result talk talk 38 megabits per second no. unlimited usage 282 pounds for i can't allow the words talk talk to be used in the same uh podcast as me uh find another option uh, i'm sure there's something very nearly as cheap that's not a horrible mess of a business I wanted to find something that is at least representative of what most MPs will be able to have access to because there'll be somebody in a, a very small, predominantly farming-focused county that probably doesn't have access to even the basic Virgin or BT fibre. But everyone has access to ADSL, at least, of some yeah. description. But why put them on Talk Talk? Because I wanted to be fair. But in- you wanted to punish them. <laughs> I just wanted Sorry, to price things on. up. So okay. anyway, that's 282 quid for the year. And then they've got their laptop, they're online, they need to do some work. Office 365 annual subscription comes with a with a terabyte of cloud storage storage. That's 80 quid a year. So I have just bought an MP, a decent laptop, a decent printer, a pretty decent phone, a good contract for that phone data, their home internet and their office um productivity suite on subscription. So, that comes to a grand total of one thousand nine hundred and fifty-six quid. That is a far. You've been very fair. I've been very fair, and that's and that is assuming they either have nothing, or don't want to use any of it, which I suppose is fair. However, um, some people have also quite rightly, I think pointed out that these expenses are also there to cover an MP's staff. And again, that is that is true. So I looked up some numbers on this as well. We have 650 MPs. And according to the Parliament website, MPs employ a total of three and a half thousand people. So I did some maths that equates to about five staff per MP, which, which is actually more than I've seen quoted. I've seen three to four quoted. But if you take my back of the envelope maths uh, above that fully kitting out a person with the laptop broadband software new phone 4g uh, unlimited calls and data printer ink and so forth costs a, a hair under two grand then five members of staff that'll cost you 10 grand with all of that packaged together that is the only way i've found able to come close to using up that allowance and it yeah. assumes every single one of those people spending the money or has no laptop has no phone no broadband or 4g office software and it's worth remembering this is in addition to the 26 grand they already get for running their office. Now, I'm going to pause to let some people get a word in edgeways here. But so far, Ian, what do you reckon? I, I mean, I, I think your I think your maths has been reasonable. I think, you know, I, I can't see a problem with that. Um, I, 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 like, I, like you, find this whole thing fairly objectionable. I don't have a problem with 
uh, staff being paid, uh, you know, and and being given out of pocket expenses. If if for example, I had I discovered that I needed something for work um, to make my working day more comfortable, I would expect them to pay for it, and they happily would. Uh, that might, for example, be um, a, a headset to make phone calls on if I if I was making phone calls all day, or it might be. Um, I, IT advised me that I should plug my laptop into a wired internet connection rather than wireless because I was having problems. I would expense the little USB dongle to make that possible. Uh, I think that's all fine. I think what what's um, particularly troubling about this is it's like you know the relaxation on the rules um, means that it's I, I'm, I don't want to say that they will abuse it, but it is op- it is open to more abuse, and it, this is a lot of money, wh- which just it it seems ridiculous. And like you said, the, these. MPs generally work in constituency offices anyway. These are already staff that they have who are already tooled up to work away from London. You know, the constituency office will be doing the work of the MP in the constituency. It is already provisioned and paid for by the government, at, like you said, at, you know, 26 grand or whatever maximum. Um, it, it's just, it just feels ridiculous to me. I, I just can't see the logic of it. Um, I think I would rather see... Um, like a, a, an idea similar to what you've done in that the 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 commons IT department has uh is in charge of acquiring a set of tools that are given to every registered member of staff that an MP has on the books uh if that's what they need if if they for some reason like you said don't have any of it then fine this all this all is based on the idea that MPs are going to use the 10 grand and and un- be unaccountable about it i don't believe for a minute that's going to happen I think the idea is silly, but I also think that there are, you know, if you're in that position, then you should be responsible with it. You should remember that the the general public is paying for it. We are almost certainly about to have a fairly painful recession um, and there's nothing we can do about that. Uh, You know, we we need to be mindful of this and how it looks. If you say if you say MPs are going to get 10 grand, you can't be surprised when the press coverage focuses on the number and not the rules behind it. That's just not the way the press works. It would be better to say we're supporting our staff. I'm sorry, there is no MP job in the world or no supporting role in the world that couldn't manage somehow with equipment that exists already. Nurses and doctors do not have equipment that they need and that is all that matters. So I'm sorry, uh, you know, when it comes to that, it's just ridiculous. Like you, it is unjustifiable at that point because they could manage that the the doctors and the nurses can't manage without safety equipment. If an MP can't do some constituency work, well, um, they'll probably survive. You know, I know it's important. I know there are things happening. I think it. it I mean, we have to. We we can't. I don't think we can say well. If they can't do some consi- constituency work, then so be it. Because that is sort of. Is that not cutting off their nose to spite the face of a constituent? Like there might be somebody who is really struggling, who doesn't have a computer. They need letters to be sent. They need to reply. And that needs to still happen because those people need the support of their local MP. I think that is fair. And I've seen some people criticize that this doesn't, uh, you know, that, that, that there are increased costs for things like postage and paper and envelopes and stamps and stuff because some people don't want to use email or can't use email. But the fact is, MPs get a separate postage allowance. And some MPs, I looked at the figures, some claim thousands in, I mean, I don't even know how you spend £9,000 a year on stamps and envelopes, but but some do. Some spend yeah. nothing at all, but some do. Um, they probably do get a lot of, they probably do get a lot of posts. I can imagine that. I, I, I don't have... 
I, I mean, I do have a problem with it, but there is an a, there is an accountability department, you know, that in the House of Parliament that deals specifically with these issues. Um, but you know, I I don't I don't have a problem with them writing letters. I th- I can perfectly believe that's a thing. Whether or not it's thousands of pounds a year, I don't know. Um, but you know, and and I also a lot of this constituency work traditionally would have been meeting people and stuff like that, and that just can't happen right now anyway. So. You know, really, I think that they can probably manage. I just don't. If if those departments are doing that kind of work anyway, then I don't think anything's changed apart from perhaps a, a shift in the volume of it and how it is operating. I'm trying to I'm trying to play devil's advocate just so 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 we're being fair because I'm broadly with you that I think this is ridiculous and this is why I wanted to talk about it. But I, I think it's worth clearing up some things that you know this is what it's not is it's not MPs deciding to give themselves ten grand of extra cash that will not be accounted for because they feel they need it. It's coming from the independent. Um, uh, Parliament Standards Authority, which was basically set up in the wake of the 2009 expenses scandal. That's literally basically why it exists. Um, so it's not MPs giving it to themselves. It's not just for them. It is also for their staff. And and this is the key point, I think, is that it will be audited. Like, we'll be able to look at this. And that's when it's going to be super, super interesting to go and look through the figures is actually retrospectively to look through this and figure out, well, what did some of these MPs say they needed during this time? Because that is going to be a scandal waiting to happen if it turns out that they've been buying completely unnecessary, you know, gaming laptops for their kids to keep them busy while they're replying to the, the the struggling grandparents down the road about their food deliveries or something like yeah. if that happens i think we'll throw the devil and his advocacy out the window and we'll have a nice big rant party yeah. um, but the fact is <clears throat> no matter how much how well you price this up and justify it it still stands as a little bit in fact way over the top for what needs to be done when you consider that almost all of the things that people need to do their jobs the mps need to do their jobs like this office-based stuff they will either have already or be able to get for significantly less than they're being told they can spend like a single purchase on a card i think has been increased now to five grand what, oh, right. what, does, what, do, what do they need to spend that costs five grand in one go i don't know don't know maybe um, somebody um, will write in and tell us but that's a macbook pro well you could get a mac pro for that and I don't think any MP right. needs a, a Mac Pro. And you know, oh, I, I mean, let's, be, nice, let's be fair. Though. You know, I'm going to be I'm going to be super honest about something here because I think it's it's worth being transparent. The company I work for, we all got given five hundred dollars as a basically as a handout. It was taxable, but as a handout to to help cover some of the costs associated with us all having to work from home. And I don't right. mind I don't mind saying that that is. That is from a company that, frankly, could afford to give a lot more and has a lot more money at its disposal. Um, well, and a private company and one that can do what it wants with its money. But the understanding there is that there are there are increased costs that come with working from home. Things are do there? need to I, be. I, I, no, I mean, I I would I would argue, and we I've actually I've had this conversation because um, I'm on the employee forum at work. Um, and people have asked if, um, if, if the, you know, if there will be an allowance for working at home. And I think, I think the answer to that is, in most cases, 
why? You, you've already got broadband that's almost certainly good enough to do your job. Um, you, you might have slightly increased heating costs, but you're not traveling to work. You're saving money there. You're not buying a more expensive lunch or whatever. You, you know, you make savings. I, I would say that probably in the balance of things, most people, and it's especially in companies, and you and I are both lucky enough to work for one, where we're not being dropped to 80%. Um, I think that, that, you know, that's that seems reasonable to me. I, I think it's great that your company gives you a bit of extra cash. I don't, I wouldn't say no to it, but I don't personally feel like I've got increased expenses, bearing in mind I'm spending like £200 a month usually on train fares. So, and I'm sure that a lot of people who work for the company I do don't have those kind of costs. Uh, but, you know, even so, there, there will still be savings. The really interesting thing will be looking through the, the the reports that we ultimately get to see which is who spent what on what and what was the justification and then and then retrospectively we can either apologize or <laughs> as i predict because of history um we 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 won't oh <laughs> we won't well they'll the, th- the thing is the problem with that is there'll be someone who abuses it and there'll be you know 300 others that don't you're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Ian, I think it's time that we check in with uh, with Tom Merritt. Shall we yes, check please. in with Tom yes. Merritt? It was Science Week this week on Daily Tech News Show. We had Dr. Kiki from This Week in Science answering questions about COVID-19. Aaron Carson from CNET on the tech we need to go to Mars. Ariel Waldman brought us up to speed on microscope tech. Annalie Newitz told us how drones, VR, and 4K are helping revolutionize archaeology. And Riley Black went even further back in time with tech that helps paleontologists. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. I love paleontology cropping up in the news, Ian, because there is, by design, there, there isn't any dinosaur news, is there? Because uh, everything th- has to be old. That is true. Very, very true. I'm actually very excited because they're talking about Mars, and I've just bought a game called Surviving Mars, which is on Steam. It's uh, on Humble Cheap at the moment. Uh, and you have to build a... It's a little world builder game, and you have to build a colony on Mars and somehow survive. It's... It's going to waste a huge amount of my life. Thank you, patrons, for supporting us and keeping us in supply of mixing desks and um, I was going to say vodka, but I don't drink, so that would be pointless. Also, you know I'm what, mate? I don't really drink anymore either. Like, since this whole lockdown thing, I haven't had a drink. I haven't touched a drop. Excellent. Well, uh, good news will come next week, hopefully. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.